Good morning. Here we are in Exodus chapter 7. We're actually going to peruse 7 through 14. Hello? Verse by verse. So, you got a week? <laughs> actually, I am going to look through 7. We're going to look at 7 through 14. But when Pharaoh hardened his heart, and when you harden your heart to God. And that you means me also. Uh, but going along with the rhythms of our titles. So there's application for us in the book of Exodus in, as far as our redemption and walking that out with the Lord once redeemed. So here, we're going to look at the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, which is a tough subject. But I'm going to do my best to communicate some things that I, I see in that. I'm going to read some things, and then we're going to ask the Lord to take our hearts in communion, soften them to what he has done for us, how he loves us, and just bring ourselves again to the feet of Jesus, which is the place we got to come all the time, lest our hearts do get hard. So would you stand with me as I'm going to read Exodus chapter, beginning chapter 6, verse 28, running start into Exodus 7. We'll go through just, I'll just read five verses. We'll read them again as we go through it a little bit this morning. And then we're going to do a responsive reading from Psalm 119 uh, after this. So here we go. Exodus chapter 6, verse 28. And it came to pass on the day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I am the Lord. Speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh heed me? So the Lord said to Pharaoh, chapter 7, said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron, your, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you, so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people, that is the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. So as a, as a response of reading, you have Psalm 119. I'm gonna, we're going to take that in the next 11 studies. And we're going to break that into 11 sections of two eights. The, the, the Psalm 119 is an acrostic alphabetical psalm. Every, the first eight verses all starts with Aleph, which is the Hebrew A. And then the second with, all with B. It's an amazing, actually, thing that the Lord did through the Holy Spirit the writer of Psalm 119. So the thing about Psalm 119 that I thought, this is great, is 170, it's the longest psalm, it's the center of the Bible, 176 verses. Of those 176, 171 of them have something about the Word of God in it. So it's Word of God, Word of God, Word of God. Another emphasis is on my heart and the heart and the soul. So those two together mean is what makes this the worship book of the Bible. You have the Word of God, our hearts, the priority of the, our hearts, and, and because we're going through this thing with Pharaoh and his heart, I thought this would be a great place to do this. So, probably should do it, right? Okay. So, Psalm 119. I'm going to read the odd and first, the first and odd verses, and then you respond in the second and even verses. Here we go. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. 
that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I lean, learn your, ju- your righteous judgments. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. So, Lord, we bow our hearts before you. Speak to us. Grant to us, Lord, a, a ears to hear, a mind that captures truth and transform us through the things I've prepared. Lord, we know that by your Holy Spirit, the power of your Holy Spirit and the truth given to us in, in teaching us and, just, and leading us and showing us these things, that by those things you have given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. You will lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. You will correct us as needed. You will chastise us as needed because you love us. So we love your word, Lord, and I'm asking your blessing over that in each one of our hearts, in this service, in this room, those who are watching, that you would speak to us, give us ears to hear, and then to hear under. In other words, Lord, to hear and do what you're telling us to do, please. Bless this study in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So as we look at this whole area of when Pharaoh hardened his heart to God, it actually starts back in Exodus 4.21. And the Lord, it says there, said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all the, those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn, So I say to you, let my son go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. That's a pretty heavy little statement there. But what we have there is the big picture of what's coming up for Pharaoh. And we'll see that in the next few weeks. And then we have in chapter 6, verse 28, it came to pass, which we just read, on that day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, said, go, I'm the Lord, speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, Say what I told you to say. But, and Moses is, is really wondering, why me? I mean, the children of Israel don't even listen to me. You think Pharaoh's going to listen to me? The Lord said, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. In other words, the authority that God has put on, on Moses is real. He's as God to Pharaoh. And then Aaron will be the prophet. He'll be speaking alongside of him. That you shall speak all that I command you. So Moses' responsibility before God is just do what he told him. He knows who it is. He knows what to say. He knows what to do. But notice, again, it says, you speak all that I command you. Verse 3, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you. This is the, the contrast. So that I may lay my hand on Egypt. So here's the big picture of what's coming up for Moses and Aaron right here. This is what's going to happen. God's telling them before. So next week, we'll start a series when God plagues a nation. We're going to look at this confrontation, this earthly confrontation. 
There's also a heavenly confrontation. And then there's the purpose of that confrontation. So it's going to get pretty heavy. Moses, verse 6, and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded them, so they did. So note this, three times we're going to find Moses and Aaron did, did so just as the Lord commanded them. This is an important to understand because there's this contrast now as they encounter Pharaoh and Pharaoh's hardening of his heart in refusing to do what God said to do. So Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded them while Pharaoh, given the same opportunity, note that, did not heed or actually refused. Twelve times he refused to do that. So in verse 7, Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod, cast it before Pharaoh, and let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, and here it is again, and he did so just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. This is kind of comical in some ways. Next part, but Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, so the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. So here they are doing the same exact thing, this miraculous kind of a thing. For every man threw down his rod and they became serpents. But, but Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. So listen, in any encounter with this, the whole thing of being obedient to God, there's always Satan there. There's always the counterfeits. But listen, they're no match for God. No match. And we know the rod, that, that, that rod that God uh, gave to Moses became the rod of God in his hand. And that's the case. We talked about that. But this is what I want to note just to start off with. It matters not our age, 80, 83, whatever it is. It matters not our audience. In this case, you had a pretty high-profile audience. It matters not our adversary. The key to a heart that is not hardened is to do what God said, to obey God, to listen, to know who he is, to know what he said, and to know what he said to do. That is what we, as having hearts that are yielded to the Holy Spirit, that's what happens. And any of these other things, there's nothing more important, and I know that you as a believer know that, there is nothing more important and more life-changing than knowing what God is saying and doing it. Psalm 139 says this, the end of it. Search me, O God, and know my what? Heart. Try me and know my anxieties, what's going on inside. And see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Now, that psalm begins with him saying, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down. You know my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. That's how the psalmist starts. I mean, he's laying out this incredible knowledge that God has of, his, of the psalmist as well as us. And he gets through it all. He says, now, God, you know all that. You see all that, but I don't. I've been blindsided and blindspotted in many ways. So search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxiety. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me. And that's what God wants to do in your life and mine. He wants to take our hearts and so transform them that when he says do it, I'm doing it. When he says say it, I'm saying it. I'm, I'm obedient to God more and more. And that's the process of sanctification. We're more and more yielded because we find out that God knows what he's talking about. 
And God's not going to send us and tell us to do things that he hasn't first prepared us for. And through faith in Jesus Christ, we can yield to these things that seem impossible. Like, example, loving my enemy. And if I'll yield to the Holy Spirit of God, I find in my obedience to God, he backs it up with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I would never know that, and I've not experienced that when I don't obey God. But when I obey God, when I do what he's called me to do, even when I'm shuddering and fearful and not even wanting to do it, like Moses. Moses did not want to, he was the, the, you know, he didn't want to do it. But he did. And God backed it up with his presence and his power and his promises. Proverbs, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Jeremiah, we always get Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. That's usually the verse you hear. But I was taken back several years ago when you read verse 10. The heart is deceitful of all things and desperately But I, the Lord, he says, test the, I search the heart, I test the mind. Even to get everyone according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. In other words, God knows what he's talking about. If I'll yield my mind to the things of God and the word of God and obedience to God, he is going to back it up. He's going to search it. He's going to show. And if I can walk in that, he will give to me according to his word and the blessings that come through walking in obedience to God. And those blessings come all the time in obedience. So Pharaoh's heart, verse 13, grew hard. He did not heed them. As the Lord had said, so the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. So this morning, what I want to do is stop and consider this very challenging and controversial subject, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. I am not suggesting that by stopping, we will solve the problem (laughs) or satisfactorily answer the age's debate, which is, Who is responsible for hardening Pharaoh's heart? God or Pharaoh? From my perspective, so long as we have questions, there is a healthy tension that keeps us humbled before God and in fellowship with one another. There have been great divisions, Calvinism, Arminianism, all these things, over this this subject. Who hardened Pharaoh's heart? How does that work? What happens? Well, I believe that there needs to be questions because we don't understand. We can't possibly understand what is going, how does this work? And the reason I say that is because I don't understand it in my own heart. Personally. How does that work? But then trying to solve the problem has been the, the means by which great division has come. So I believe that question, in this particular question, we have questions are what's going to arise. If God were small enough to understand, he wouldn't be big enough to be God. I do not think it is, I think it's impossible to read Romans 9 through 11, to study Romans 9 through 11, and not have questions. So let me read a little bit of Romans 9, 14 through 18. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Paul says, certainly not. God is not unrighteous. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, 
but of God who shows mercy. Now, mercy is a key word in Romans 9 through 11, if you're going to study that and read it. Mercy is a key word. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, to the Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills, he, look at hardens. You understand that? You know how that works? Personally, I don't. It's got a lot of questions to it. This side, earthly side. So what I want to do simply, next week we'll get into these chapters verse by verse, chapter, like we always do. But for this morning, in Exodus 4 through 14, the verses containing the hardening of Pharaoh's heart or his heart itself in conjunction with that, you find it in tw- 22 times in 21 verses. I just want to read them. Rapid fire. So it begins verse 421. Just listen in just to get a feel for what's going on here. The Lord said, I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Chapter 7. Five times. I will harden Pharaoh's heart, multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt, but Pharaoh will not heed you. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. The Lord said, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them. Pharaoh went into his house. Neither was his heart moved by this. Chapter 8, four times, three times. Pharaoh's heart hardened his heart, did not heed them as the Lord had said. Pharaoh's heart grew hard. He did not heed them as the Lord had said. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. Chapter 9, five times. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard and did not let the people go. Then the Lord hardened his the, but the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and did not heed and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. For at this time I will send all my plagues, God to Pharaoh, through Moses and Aaron. At this time, I will send all my plagues to your very heart. God is communicating clearly to Pharaoh. Uh, Then he says, so it says in chapter 9 again, Pharaoh saw, he sinned yet more, and hardened his heart now, he and his servants. We get to chapter 10, three times. Now the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh For I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. So you get the rhythm here. Now, in chapter 11, one time. And so Moses and Aaron did all these work wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Then you get chapters 12, 13, which are the Passover and all that. And then you get to chapter 14, where they had the, the redemption, they had been led out of Egypt, and here now Pharaoh is going to go after them again. And so it says in chapter 14, verse 4, Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. Then the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. Then in chap, chapter 14, verse 17, And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will follow them. So I will give honor over Pharaoh and over his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. So there it is. 
This hardening of Pharaoh's heart is a progressive thing that's happening through God's encounter with him through Moses and Aaron. His simple request was, let my people go. Pharaoh refused. His leadership also then became his people's same response. They also went after them. So I have a Word document of three articles. And it's a rather lengthy thing, but these were ones that were helpful to me. There are several of them. I decided to do something this morning that you're not supposed to do in public speaking. And that is, I'm going to put a lot of things up there, and we're going to read them together. Because these have so helped me, and this is a few years back, it's so helped me. My pastor, Pastor Chuck Smith, I felt had a real balance on this whole thing. And one of the things that he would say is, I don't understand. How does it work? And that's a good thing, as I said already. So I will cl- when, when, I, when we read these things, then I'm going to close with just some of the thoughts for me, and then we're going to take communion. And what I'm asking the Holy Spirit in my own heart, and I think for us, having heard the word of God, that he would be the center place for everything that's going on in our hearts. That we would bring ourselves back to the cross. And Jesus himself, who died on that cross for your sin and for my sin, and through his love for us and the gospel, responding to the gospel, our hearts have been changed. They've been transformed. They've been redeemed. Yes, they go wandering in the wilderness. And we learn many things there about God and his love and care and protection. But bottom line center is when that lamb was slain and the blood put on the doorpost and they were redeemed and God never let them perish in the wilderness. He kept them for 40 years and brought them into the promised land. So here we go. Walt Kaiser, an Old Testament scholar, observes the following concerning the hardening. In all, there are 10 places where, heart, the, where hardening of Pharaoh is ascribed to God, but it must be stated just as firmly that Pharaoh hardened his own heart in another 10 passages. Thus, the hardening was as much Pharaoh's own act as it was the work of God. Even more significant is the fact that Pharaoh alone was the agent of the hardening in the first sign and in all the first five plagues. Note that. Not until the sixth plague was it stated that God actually moved in and hardened Pharaoh's heart, as he had warned Moses and Midian that he would have to do. Go ahead. In their perpetual quest, hold on a second. Did we do that? It looked like we might have missed a slide. So we see God actively in heart. Yeah, so I don't know where that went. We had this first service. So. We don't have that one. Okay. So we see God actively acting in hardening Pharaoh's heart. And we also see the clear responsibility of Pharaoh in the matter as he hardens his own heart. Well, how did God harden Pharaoh's heart? This is powerful. How did God harden his heart? God simply revealed himself. You see that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. First of all, God at various times and various ways spoke to us by the prophets, as in his last days spoke to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, Hebrews 1, through whom he also And then it talks about what Jesus did. 
the revelation of God in the resurrection, people reject it, even though it's clear. God simply revealed himself. When Jesus came, he wasn't honored and he was received at first. But here's God revealed. What happens? The heart, hard heart of man's sinfulness is exposed. So he simply revealed himself. It was this revelation of God that hardened his heart. Who Hardened Pharaoh's Heart by David Miller and Kyle Butt. In their perpetual quest to find discrepancies in the Bible, to undermine biblical ethics, and to find fault with the actions of God, Skeptics have charged that God mistreated Pharaoh by overriding his free will and forcing him to resist the demand of Moses to allow the Israelites to exit Egypt. The skeptics focus on the verses about Pharaoh's heart, demanding that the God of the Bible is an unjust, cruel being. But according to 1 Samuel 6, 6, God didn't harden Pharaoh's heart. The Pharaoh did it himself. Just keep going here. Kendall Hobbs, in an essay, Why I'm No Longer a Christian, added Pharaoh's story to a list of alleged atrocities committed by God by the God of the Bible. There are plenty of other atrocities committed by God or at his command, Hobbs comments, then lists the Exodus story when the Egyptian Pharaoh was repeatedly ready and willing to let Moses and his people go. Now, that's a lie. That's a lie. Until God hardened his heart and then God punished him for his hardened heart by sending plagues or killing children through all of Egypt. The Protestant Calvinist response to the skeptic is simply to say that God can do what he chooses to do and that humans have no right to question God. Now, the reason rational, honest people would reject Calvinism's claim that God arbitrarily, that is, for his own sovereign reasons, rejects some people or overrides their free will is because they recognize that a perfect God, that is one who is infinite in all his attributes, including justice, fairness, and impartiality, would not do so. God cannot be just while unjustly rejecting some people. God cannot be God and yet conduct himself in an ungodly manner. Even the biggest sinner who has violated his conscience repeatedly and has dulled his spiritual sensibilities has enough sense to comprehend the principle of being fair, even if he chooses not to treat people fairly. In the case of Pharaoh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart in the sense that God provided the circumstances and the occasion for Pharaoh to be forced to make a decision. God sent Moses to place his demands before Pharaoh. Moses merely announced God's instructions. God even accompanied his word with miracles to confirm the divine origin of the message. Pharaoh made up his own mind to resist God's demands. Of his own accord, he stubbornly refused to comply. Of course, God provided the occasion for Pharaoh to demonstrate his unyielding attitude. If God had not sent Moses, Pharaoh would not have been faced with the dilemma of whether to release the Israelites. So God was certainly the instigator and initiator, but he was not the author of Pharaoh's defiance. Notice that in a very real sense, all four of the following statements are true. Number one, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It's true. Number two, Moses hardened Pharaoh's heart. That's true. Three, the words that Moses spoke hardened Pharaoh's heart. Three, four, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. All four of these observations are accurate, depicting the same truth from different perspectives. In this sense, God is responsible for everything in the universe. That is, he has provided the occasion, the circumstances, and the environment in which all things, including people, operate. But 
He is not guilty of wrong in so doing. Would you say check? From a quick look at a simple Hebrew idiom, it is clear that God did not unjustly or directly harden Pharaoh's heart. God is no respecter of persons. He does not act unjustly, and he has always allowed humans to exercise their free moral agencies. God, however, does use the wrong, stubborn decisions committed by rebellious sinners to further his causes. In the case of Pharaoh's hardened heart, God can be charged with no injustices, and the Bible can be charged with no contradiction. Humans were created with free moral agency and are culpable for their own actions. So another source, in the Pentateuch, and have to, how do you say that? Edited by this guy named Jay Hertz, who was a renowned rabbi that lived back in the, in, he died in 1946. He wrote this, we read, for God to make it impossible for a man to obey him. This is, this is the crux of it. For God to make it impossible for a man to obey him and then punish him for his disobedience would be both, would be both unjust and contrary to the fundamental Jewish belief in freedom of the will. The fact still remains that God did predict he would harden Pharaoh's heart. Thus, there seems to be two sides to this hardening. Almost to the end. How do we reconcile the two? May I share with you two illustrations, one an ancient Jewish midrash, the second an ancient Christian interpretation. A Jewish midrash or interpretation illustration asks us to picture two farmers The first farmer cultivates his land with great care. The rain comes, the sun shines, the crops grow. The second farmer refuses to work his land. The rains come, the ground turns to mud. Then the sun shines and the ground becomes as hard as clay. In a very real sense, God hardened the second farmer's land by sending the rain and then making the sun shine. But he, the farmer, also ruined his land by not working the land. A 5th century Christian commentator, Theodoret, offered this wisdom. Quote, the sun, by the force of its heat, moistens the wax and dries the clay, softening the one and hardening the other. Unquote. The widely accepted Jewish and Christian view is that when a person continually rejects God, their hearts become harder and harder. Even when God continues to reach out to them in love. As one scholar observes, when the divine command came to Pharaoh set the slaves free, and his reply was, I will not. Each repetition of Pharaoh's persistent obstinacy made it less likely that he would eventually listen to the word of God. For such is the law of conscience. Every time the voice of conscience is disobeyed, it becomes duller and feebler, and the heart grows harder. I heard a a, a definition of the conscience one time. It's like this triangle. And when you do wrong, it turns in your heart and it hurts. But the more that you do wrong, the more it turns, it sort of erodes the points so that it no longer hurts. That's what he's saying. That the conscience, and God has given us three very clear revelations of who he is. In creation, Romans chapter 1. In conscience, Romans chapter 2. And in Christ, Romans 1 through 8. So we have this voice. So man cannot remain neutral in the presence of duty or of any direct command of God. He either obeys the divine command and it becomes unto him a blessing or he defies God and such command then becomes unto him a curse. 
It is a part of the divinely ordered scheme of things that if a man deliberately chooses evil, it proceeds to enslave him. It binds and stupefies him, making for him repentance while near impossible. In the final analysis, the answer to our question is that Pharaoh hardened his own heart, as have multitudes of people who have turned a deaf ear to God's pleas. Tragically, so many people, tragically, so many people have, like Pharaoh, not only turned a deaf ear to God, but closed their minds and hardened their hearts. Although God knew it was Pharaoh's nature to say no to Moses, it was in, and is his nature to continue pleading and persuading, even if he ends up hardening the Pharaohs of the world. So, I don't know if that's helpful for you. If we have any questions, any sort of hits on God, we need to look to the cross. That's the heart of God. He sent his son to die for the most vilest, hard-hearted sinner that's ever lived. He's pleading through the cross. He's pleading through the cross with all people. He's not willing any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So no, I don't have answers in this question. I don't have a theological sort of ladder you call up and get it. But what I do have is Jesus Christ and him crucified for my sin. And how that has so softened my heart time and time and time again. We're going to take communion, and I hope that that's what we can experience a little bit this morning as we take communion and remember his death. Now, an, immediately, an immediate personal application for me is the book of Proverbs. It is filled with wisdom in matters of the heart. It's a good daily read. Now, I haven't done this for years, but when I was studying, I said, I'm going to re-up this. Because you're supposed to, a proverb a day keeps the doctor away. A proverb a day keeps the heart in the right place with God. So I don't know what you do that way, but I think here's a real practical application. Because as you look at the book of Proverbs, one type of heart is filled with goodness. This is the heart I want. Proverbs, a cheerful heart, a discerning heart, a happy heart, a peaceful heart, a pure heart, a trusting heart, a wise heart. That's the heart with God, in relationship with God that's, that's good. But Proverbs also points out there are these other kinds of hearts that are foolish. That's how Proverbs puts it. A corrupt heart. Why is it foolish? Because God can change it. Here's what's going on, but God can take that heart and change it. So there's the corrupt heart, the deceitful heart, the evil heart, the hardened heart, the haughty heart, the lusting heart, the proud heart, heart that devises wicked schemes, heart that, final one, rages against God. God can change that. And then there are these other two in Proverbs that bring a sadness because there is that heavy heart over things that we see. And understand. There is that sick heart that needs hope again. And may I say to you, if that's you, Jesus wants to do that for you today. He wants to bring into your sick heart healing. He wants to bring into your heart hope. Again, you're hearing the word of God. These things that I'm sharing are true. Jesus is good. Jesus is your shepherd.
He wants to bring you out of those areas of darkness and sickness and heaviness. He said, come unto me, all you who labor in heaven, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. My burden is not this heavy thing. Now, there are heavy things that are going on, but with Jesus yoked with him, that's where the things of our hearts begin to be healed and changed. And God can do these things for us. So four conclusions, and we'll go into, into communion. Again, I say you, but I'm saying me. You harden your heart at the revelation of God. That's what happens. We see in his word, God's given that to us, and we either yield ourselves to him, or we say, I don't want to. Pharaoh himself refused to acknowledge God for who he really is. That's a problem. God is God. Would you say amen to that? And acknowledging who he is as he has revealed himself to be is super important to the condition of our hearts. Otherwise, we're going to harden our hearts in idolatry, harden our hearts in in fashioning God in our own image rather than who he's revealed himself to be. So you harden your heart at the revelation of God in his word. What's he said when I read it? Now, Moses was the reluctant one, but he went and God changed his heart. God did it through obedience, although it was reluctant. Secondly, you harden your heart as the real you. In other words, who are you when no one's looking? No one sees what's in your heart. God does. And that's the real you. That's what I would call the heart. It's the seed of our mind, emotions, and will. It's one's entire emotional nature. Who are you when no one's looking? God knows and searches and examines your heart, though no one else can. And so we read, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. God knows and does these things. He enlightens us because he loves us. Fourth, Or third, you harden your heart as one needing to repent. A hard heart can be softened and changed, but only through repentance. We repent before God, and then you harden your heart as one needing to receive from God. Repentance is the door to reception. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest as anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide between the thoughts and intents of the heart. Everything is naked in his eyes. You see, God's given us his word. And he says, here's what the word is going to do. It's going to show you what's going on in your heart. And it's only, only one that can do that. And so as I read the word and I'm hearing the word and I'm saying, okay, yes, I get it, I see it. And then God, the Hebrews goes on to say, seeing then, what do we do with that? We need to receive from God. So he says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Let us hold fast our confession. That's what we're going to do in communion. Hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was at all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, receive. 
Come boldly to the throne of grace. Receive the grace of God for you. Receive the mercy of God for your sin. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Notice we need to receive from God. That's the only solution to a hard heart. Repentance and receiving. So as we take communion, before we do, I have three other things. Sorry, you have to stand around. But there it is. Because here's what struck me. And I think it applies now for each one of us in communion. God created mankind for relationship with himself. That's why you're here. That's why he knit you together in your mother's womb. Because he wants you to know him and walk with him and know his love for you and take your life and make it something that's so incredible because you're walking with God. This is eternal life. They may know him, the only true God in Jesus Christ. He said, so God created us for relationship with himself, but the problem is hardness of heart. That's the problem in our relationship with God. But the other thing that struck me in this hardness of heart area is God created marriage as the most intimate expression of love in the human, in humanly speaking, marriage. What's the problem? Hardness of heart. Jesus said that about marriage. He answered, what's the problem? Well, can't we, Moses wrote a certificate of divorce so we should be able to divorce our wives. Jesus said, no, no, from the beginning it was not so. God created male and female, let not anyone separate. So God, Jesus said, it's the same truth, it's the same thing. God created marriage as a place of safety and a place to grow and a place to learn, a place to be able to exp- uh, find the deepest, most intimate relationship Humanly speaking, between a man and a woman. That's how God created it. That's how God made it. It's no different. Don't let the world tell you differently. But what's the problem? Hardness of heart. So finally, going to communion. God, listen. God created mankind for relationship with himself. The problem? Hardness of heart. God created marriage for the most intimate expression of love in the human, humanly speaking. What's the problem? Hardness of heart. But listen. God became a man, died on a cross, and through the gospel of Jesus Christ, I can be saved. All of my past can be wiped out. What's the problem? Hardness of heart. In what? Believing the gospel. It started just believing God in the gospel. So I'm saying to anyone here this morning, anyone that's watching, if you have a hard heart and are not believing the gospel of Jesus Christ, it can change today. Your only hope of salvation from sin and delivered from all the death that awaits you is by believing the gospel. That Jesus came into this world lived a perfect life, died on the cross willingly, all your sin placed on him and the penalty of sin against you paid by him, buried in the grave for three days, rose again, resurrection, and now he's seated at the right hand of God is making intercession for us. That's yours through just believing. And the reason you're not believing is because of hardness of heart. You're deciding you don't want to believe God. I'm saying we're pleading with you. God's pleading with you. Today is the day of salvation. If that's you, then I'm going to welcome you to take communion with us as it's passed out because this symbolizes what we believe in the gospel.
If not, then I'm going to let you ask you to let pass that by, lest you drink judgment to yourself, which is what Paul said. So as the emblems are passed out, would you hold them, and I'll lead us as we take them together as the church this morning.